Hello, everyone, and welcome to Honestly Booked. I'm your host, Ariel, on Instagram under at Are You Ready to Read with four eyes. And I'm your host, Rachel, on Instagram under at Paperbacks and Sketchbooks. This is a conversational podcast devoted to books, all thing books with no genre discrimination. We hope with this podcast we will expand your TBR. To get updates on our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Honestly Booked and like us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us get our podcast out there. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of our lovely podcast. (laughs) Today's episode, we're going to be talking about January subscriptions, but we're also going to be talking about, you know, quite a few other things, including our current and latest reading. We're going to kind of go back to how we used to do the podcast with a little bit of extra stuff in here. So first things first, Rachel, how have you been this week? I've been pretty good. It's been cold and snowy here as always. So I've been doing a lot of staying inside. A lot of reading has been happening. Nothing really new and exciting over here. (laughs) But how has your past week been? My past week has been busy. You know, we're getting ready to move next Sunday. So hopefully by the time this, yeah, by the time this episode airs, we will have been moved. I'm super excited for it only because we're going to have where, you know, the kids have their own rooms and then I have my own office and recording space. So when it comes down to every Sunday when we record, I don't have to go like grab the box from the top of the closet (laughs) and pull out the mic. I can have it all there. And that's because my youngest is starting to crawl. Well, not starting to crawl, but she will be starting to crawl soon. She just does the army crawl. But you know, once they do that, you got to like put baby safety (laughs) stuff and all my work stuff and everything. I want to be able to put all that stuff in a room and just like close the door, you know? Oh yeah. That'd be nice. So I'm looking forward to that, but I don't know a single person that enjoys moving and I'm one of those that do not enjoy moving, but you know, you got to get it done. (laughs) Moving is the most annoying thing ever. I hate having to pack up my entire life into boxes and then move it somewhere else. Unpack it. And then unpack it. It's just like I wish (laughs) I could just magically like teleport all my items. (laughs) Same. But the thing is, is I never move to like a second story or third story like you. So that adds like another level of difficulty. I always stay on the bottom floor of anything. But I also prefer the bottom floor myself. Anyways, yeah, so it's just been really busy. So I haven't gotten that much reading done. And it seems like the last few books I have read haven't been the best. And I like I want to say that it's not, I don't know, because I'm still like, you know, I plan my reads and everything. And I also do grab a random book every now and then for the library. But I just feel like the last few books I've read haven't really, haven't gotten that five star book yet. And it's frustrating. I mean, I did get pretty close, like very close. I had read the book. uh, You read this one too. The Roaring Days of Zora Lily. Mm, Okay. That was really good. That was almost a five star for me. I don't know. Hopefully the next five stars right around the corner for me. I hope (laughs) so. I'm waiting. You need one. (laughs) I know this year's been tough so far reading wise. Yeah. I mean, we're already three weeks into January. (laughs) Yeah. And by the time this episode airs, it will have been like almost March. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, no, it'll be almost February, but yeah, close enough. (laughs) I I meant to say February. I totally skipped February. (laughs) February doesn't exist. I was like January. March, April. <laughs> but February is um, Rachel's birthday month. It is my birthday month. So that's exciting. Yes. So let's go ahead and I want to tell you about my latest read, Rachel. Yeah. What was it? 
My latest read was a very anticipated read for me. So unfortunately, I ended up rating it, I believe, three, three and a half. I was kind of torn between three and three and a half. It was really hyped. I have seen it everywhere. And it's also an author that I have really enjoyed two of her previous works. So like I said, it was a very anticipated read for me. Now, I don't know. Okay. So it's called Midnight is the Darkest Hour by Ashley Winstead. This book is about Ruth Collier. And Ruth Collier has always kind of felt like an outsider because her father is the town pastor of this place called Bottom. Well, it's a town called Bottom Springs, which is in Louisiana. Now in the South, which in this book, and I believe still today, kind of, you know, religion really rules. You know, uh, I believe Louisiana is in the Bible Belt, right? I think so. I think it is too. So, you know, where you come to these places that I've learned from reading, because I don't really know a lot about stuff like this, when it's a super religious based book, the little cities and towns kind of don't follow the rules of you know, regular people, they kind of follow their own rules of, and the preacher is kind of, or the pastor, whatever, is kind of like the head of the city, right? So that's the case in this book. It's a small town and you have her father, uh, James Collier, who is this preacher and he kind of just is the the town's mouthpiece. There are things though that these townspeople fear more than God, which is the low man, a vampiric figure said to kill sinners in their beds on moonless nights. So you have this whole town that's scared of like this, what do you call it? This, um, this legend that has been told to children and other children to like not sin because you're going to get killed by this low man, this vampiric creature who comes into your bed. So you have kids, you know, at night after they steal a candy bar, go and stand out by their window and lock their window and don't sleep, like stuff like that. So all of a sudden, a skull was found deep in the swamp and a hunt for the low man begun. Suspicion had turned to Everett, who is Ruth's oldest friend with a dark past. Now, Ruth and Everett kind of grow closer and Ruth starts to unearth the town's secrets and as you know, in a small ta- small religious town, there's going to be lots of secrets, right? So she's trying to figure out, kind of do some amateur detectiving and figure out like who the skull is, what's going on, what, you know. And the whole time, Everett, her friend, is getting blamed like he's the low man. They're like, oh, we're going to, he's the bad man, blah, blah, blah. So it was just, it was a whole, it was an interesting book why I did like it. I did give it three stars, possibly three and a half because it did. The beginning 20% was very, very, very slow. But then once it got from like 30 to 70%, I was like, okay, this is getting good. You know, I wanted to read it. And then the end climax was very interesting too. But some of the reasons for things and some of the like the ending and the answers and stuff just didn't entirely make sense to me. So I ended up giving it lower stars. Now, this is not a spoiler because it's in the book right in the beginning, but I did feel like this author put Twilight references in here way too much. Now, I've never read Twilight, so I don't, I didn't really understand a lot of the references, but like every other page, it felt like this author was comparing men to Edward, right? Is that his name? Uh, I think I never read I never read Twilight either. I know everything about it based on what I've seen online. (laughs) (laughs) But like every other page, she was like comparing like love to Edward and Bella and like 
it was just too much, right? So <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe I need to have read Twilight to like this and understand it. It's billed as thriller, mystery, horror, fiction, but I would say it's more of a mystery romance horror. Interesting. I guess. Yeah. And it's her, it's surprising. Well, not surprising to me, but it is her lowest rated book right now on Goodreads. It only did come out a few months ago in October. So I'm really interested to see where those numbers end up, you know, going if they go like up and down or whatever. But yeah, that was Midnight is the Darkest Hour by Ashley Winstead. What was your latest read, Rachel? I am back to reading my fantasy books. So I spent the entire last week reading A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Moss. This is the fifth book in the Akotar series. It was amazing. I'm not going to really dive into the synopsis because I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't read the rest of the books yet. But this book switches main characters. So the main character in the first few books is Feyre. And the main character in A Court of Silver Flames is Nesta. So we do get to see Nesta's perspective of life and everything in this book. And for some reason, a lot of people do not like Nesta, but I always seem to like her. I never had a vendetta against her. I think she can be likable if you can sort of understand her backstory. And this book did a great job of diving into her character backstory. So if you are weary about Nesta, this book will 100% change your mind. At least I hope it would. I only gave this book four and a half stars because I did feel like there was a little too much smut. I could have done with like three less of those scenes and had it focus more on the actual plot because I did feel like the plot got a little muddled and disjointed because there was such a focus on this sexual relationship between two characters. That's just one of my things. I know it's a very unpopular opinion. A lot of people loved that part of this book, but personally, I could have done with a little bit less of that. But overall, I thought this was a great installment to the series, and I feel like it really set up what's to come because this is not the last book in the series. Like, there's no way it can be. After having finished this book, I'm like, there has to be more coming because it kind of left you on a cliffhanger with a couple of things. So I'm hoping that whatever we get next in this series is as amazing as the rest of it has been. So that was A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Moss. Well, I'm happy you're back in the fantasy aspect just for your liking. I'm not happy with the fact that that's the only book you're going to read for like a week straight. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but so on our on our podcast bookstagram, we post on Wednesdays our, what is it called? It's the weekly weekly reads we post on Wednesdays our weekly reads right and it's like what we're currently reading our next read and then our next next read because we don't have a title and a good idea for a title for that yeah but, that's uh, as original as we could get <laughs> right we're just like next next <laughs> we could have done next after or something I don't know but anyways I don't know. 
So, Rachel, it's funny because sometimes I'm usually the one who will have, like, a repeat book on it because, you know, I haven't gotten to it by the next Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> but this time, Rachel is going to be – hers probably won't even have moved. <laughs> Literally, I've been pushing back my other books because I put a bunch of the Sarah J. Moss books on hold at the library that I haven't read yet, which I guess was a mistake because the next book I plan on reading by her is Kingdom of Ash, which is the last book in the Throne of Glass series. And it is a whopping 980 pages. And that is all I will be doing with my life until it's due at the library, probably. But we'll see. I mean, maybe I could read 980 pages in like two weeks. I don't know. You got this. Yeah, it's just it's going to be a huge feat when I finish that book. You best believe like my my midweek updates on our Instagram are going to be like the same for like two weeks. <laughs> is that the last in the series so far? Kingdom of Ash is, is the last one in the Throne of Glass series. For now, I guess. Or Well, I think it's forever. I don't think she's going to be writing any more Throne of Glass. But I mean, nobody really knows because apparently she signed some like big seven book deal with Bloomsbury. People think that some of those books are going to be Akotar. Some people think she might be writing a whole new series, but we don't really know what's coming with her. She's always full of surprises. That's kind of fun, though, you know, when you're when you really like an author and you're you know, you like her reading or her writing and stuff. You're like, well, she's coming out with something. We don't know what it is, but it's going to be something. (laughs) Well, just have to wait and see because her release this year is coming out on January 30th I believe the Crescent City one, yeah right? it's the third Crescent City book are you gonna read that one I have not read the Crescent City series yet I bought the first one off of Pango so I will be reading that soon but again that's another 800 page book so I'm like I'm trying to pace myself with those books so I can actually get in other things that I want to read her series so she has the what she's famous for she has Crescent City A Court of Thorns and Roses and then Throne of Glass right yes and of those, th- you haven't read Crescent City. You've only read the other two. Correct. Of those two, uh, Akatar and Throne of Glass, which one would you say is the best one for like a non-fantasy person to read? Like me. Like if I were to pick up one, because I do want to try. I want to try, you know? Yeah. So Akatar, A Court of Thorns and Roses, that one is, you see, it's it's tough because both of those series, Throne of Glass and Akatar, they both have a lot of fantasy elements that could be hard for a new fantasy reader to wrap their head around. But Akotar, to me, that's the series that I started with. And to me, it seems like it'd be good for a beginner with fantasy because it does include more of like, it includes humans still and the human world. So it's not like it's too disjointed from reality. See, but I think I'd want more of a high fantasy because if I'm going to go there, I want to go all the way there. You know, like I don't want it to be this is what I don't want. I don't want us to be chilling in a city and like there be fairies and stuff, but we're using iPhones. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's not like that. So her books do take place and you can tell they take place in like a super, super long time ago. They do not have that modern technology that we have but her crescent city series is an urban fantasy so that series includes like all the modern stuff it takes place within a city in the modern world so it will have things that we're more accustomed to so i would recommend you start with if you want 
more fantasies, start with Throne of Glass. If you want less fantasies, start with A Court of Thorns and Roses. Now, a second question, follow-up question. What's the romance or smut level? Throne of Glass has like zero romance until like the fifth or sixth book. <laughs> That's random. <laughs> Akotar is romanticy, 100% romanticy. So it does include the romance and some smut. It's like very low smut in the first two books. The third book is a little bit more. The fifth book is by far the smuttiest. Like even I was like, this is a of lot. Akatar? Yeah. The fifth oh, book. Oh yeah, the one. That, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I forgot that was an Akatar one. So I think if I'm going to read one, I might start with Throne of Glass. But I need you to start Crescent City soon so that we know we can see. I know. I'm, Are you going to? I'm hoping to start it next month may get pushed to march depending on what else i want to read in the moment you know i'm i'm a mood reader through and through so well let's go ahead and do our unplanned subject twirly whirly real quick and we'll give ourselves like a minute to talk about it so let's see what we get oh this is funny what is it paperbacks oh paperbacks i love me a paperback they're easy to hold i'm gonna assume you do because of your name on instagram Instagram paperbacks and sketchbooks (laughs) yep yep i do love paperbacks um i am a spine cracker though i will i will crack the spine guilty my books don't really look pretty after i've read them but they're easy to stay open when i crack the spine so same but i'm going to say something that's going to be kind of messed up um (laughs) i only crack paperbacks fines if it's a library book (laughs) okay i understand because i feel like the the spine on a library book can't really like so thick crack because they bind it like the library at least at my library all the paperback books have a laminated cover and spine so yeah same it can't break so a lot of the paperback, older paperbacks, I've noticed, because um, I've been doing a lot of backlist reading, a lot of the older paperbacks, they seem to be bound differently. And they're bound, you get either two types. You either get the like super bound paperbacks that are like so hard to break open, or you get the, and I don't know, it was like, it wasn't even laminating. It was like they made a separate cover or something. Interesting. And then the n- newer-ish older paperbacks, they're like, you, know, you could just rip those apart. <laughs> yeah, literally. So I think libraries go through like different ways of binding every, you know, couple of years or so. Because when I look at like older books versus newer books, I do see a difference in like how they're bound now. How my library bounds brand new books now is how you said. It's kind of like a laminated um, cover itself over it. Yeah. Paperbacks are, they're also a good size to like throw in a purse. Yeah, throw in your bag. Or a backpack when I'm traveling. They're easy to carry with me. So you prefer them over hardbacks? I think so, but I also do love a hardback. It really like, I don't know. Yeah, I I love all books. <laughs> I love them all, but I do I do lean towards paperbacks if I'm in a store wanting to purchase a book. I will look for a paperback version of it. Oh, definitely, for sure. I like having hardbacks on my shelf. Agreed, agreed. But if I were, if someone were to hand me, like, if I had one book, like, I'm going to read this next book, and someone were to give it to me in hardback form, paperback form, Kindle, and audiobook, I would 100% pick the paperback. I would also have to agree. Yeah, I would choose the paperback. 
I mean, I know Kindle is like more fluid. You can use it anywhere really. And it's like, you can use it when it's dark. You can, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, and I do love my Kindle, but I just have to, I, I just over everything, paperback, paperback, room supreme. I would love to hear your guys' opinions though. So DM us, let us know. I want to transition over to our currently reading now, and I'm going to take the stand again. <laughs> <laughs> and funny, my current book that I'm reading is also starts with Midnight. Ooh. <laughs> this is Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe. This book is one of my January challenges. It is the Book Girls Guide USA Challenge for Alabama. And now when I looked at it from the Book Girls Guide description, it did say something about family drama and um, it did say small town romance. So I knew that going in, but I did see it has really high ratings and lots of people that I know have said that they liked it. So I'm giving it a chance. I'm about halfway through now. I don't hate it. I actually am enjoying it. I'm not like dreading picking it up. I do like it, but it's not really, it's, it's, it's mad. It's got magical realism and romance. So, you know, I'm trying to get, that's the year of 24, 2024, the year of Ariel is trying to get out of her comfort zone. So this is so far a really good book. It's got that blend of magical realism, heartwarming romance and small town Southern charm. And I'm enjoying it so far. It's about two girls, Anna, Kate and Natalie. So you have Anna, Kate, who her granny Z was the owner of this Blackbird Cafe and she had just passed. So she's coming back to close the cafe and settle her grandmother's estate. But unfortunately in her grandmother's will, it said she has to stay and run the cafe for two months before she can do all that. So now she has to stay and she's in this, in this city, or I'm sorry, in this small town that her mother had ran away from and told her to never go back to. So, she, you know, there has to have been something that happened to her mother to make her leave there. And and all her best intentions, she's trying to avoid forming ties with people, getting to know her father's evil side of the family. But she finds herself like drawn to this quirky southern town that her mother ran away from. And this mysterious blackbird pie that everyone just cannot stop it talking about. So as the truth of her past slowly starts to become clear, she needs to decide if she's going to stay or if she's going to go. And then you have Natalie, who's another character in this book. I'm not going to say how she's tied in, but she is in this town. What is the name of this town? Wicklow. She's in this town, Wicklow, and she's kind of running away from something herself. So you have these two women that are in this town that they really don't want to be here. And they both have these like deep, dark pasts. So, you know, it's a beautiful read so far. It's got some very, uh, very quirky Southern charm characters. I think it's going to be a cute book. It says there's a love story in here. There has not been anything really close to that yet. So I'm wondering, you know, when that's going to happen, what it's going to be like. But that is Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe by Heather Weber. What are you currently reading? I am currently reading Ruthless Vows by Rebecca Ross, and this is the sequel to Divine Rivals. Now, again, it's another sequel to a book, so I don't want to spoil anything for anyone by reading the synopsis because I know some people will literally cut my head off if I spoil anything for them about this book. So we are going to avoid that altogether, and I will not read the synopsis, but I am about... 120 pages into this book and I'm enjoying it so far. It does have a little bit of a slow burn, so I'm not completely invested in the story just yet, but I think what the author did 
with this plot is really clever. And it does have some familiar plot points to the first book. So there is that connection. It's just, this one's just different. A lot of reviews on Instagram have said that they were slightly disappointed with this one, but I'm trying to keep that out of my head because I want to form my own opinion on it. So I guess right now my take is that it's moving a little bit slower than I anticipated. I thought we were just going to get a sudden continuation from the ending of the last book, but it's sort of gone in reverse. I'm looking forward to seeing where this one goes because this one is a whole 100 pages longer than Divine Rivals. So we'll see what sort of detail Rebecca Ross decides to dive into with Ruthless Vows. But so far, it's not bad. It is just moving a little slow for my liking. That's the thing with me with um, sequels is it's either it either gets love or it gets hate. And that's because when you read this book, I think, and you get into these characters, you kind of form this thing in your head of how you want it to end and how you want like what you want the characters to do. And then when the author comes out with the book and it's not doing what you want it to do, it's kind of like either, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems kind of like that's what's happening here. It seems so. It does have a 4.3 star rating on Goodreads so far out of almost 60,000 ratings. So it seems like people are still enjoying it. So I'm hoping the ending kind of redeems how I'm feeling about it at this moment in time. Well, hopefully it ends up picking up for you. I know that I absolutely love those covers. Oh, they're so beautiful. They are so beautiful. I If I had to pick one, which one I liked better, I do have to say I like the second cover better <gasps> than the first. Me too. It's so pretty. It's white with these almost like neon blue flowers and like little flecks of orange on there. Oh, it's so pretty. So pretty. I know we both visited the library often enough. Yes, <laughs> all the time. So I visited the library a few times this week. I actually don't, don't tell my TBR. And one of the books I picked up was I did pick it up because I had seen it um, as one of our, I believe it's, it was a um, add on on book of the month. I saw that and I was like, oh, this looks good. I also saw that it has such, it just has such a beautiful cover. Like if you, you need to look up this cover, Rachel. Okay. It's called River East, River West by Aubrey Ray Lescure. Now, it has really high ratings and not that many ratings yet. Um, it did just come out like a few days ago. But I read the synopsis and I was like, ooh, this looks like a this looks like a me book. So it's set against the backdrop of developing modern China. It's a coming-of-age tale, part family drama, part social drama, and it follows two generations searching for belonging and opportunity in a rapidly changing world. So you have Shanghai 2007. You've got 14-year-old Alva, who's always kind of wanted more. She's raised by her American expat mother. She's never known her Chinese father, and she's certain a better life awaits them in America. But when her mother announces her engagement to their wealthy Chinese landlord, Lu Fang, Alva's hopes are dashed. She plots for the next best thing, the American school in Shanghai. Upon admission, though, Alva's surprised to discover an institution run by an exclusive community of expats and the ever-wilder thrills of a city where foreigners can ostensibly act as they please. Then you have 1985. 
In the seaside city of Qingdao, Lu Fang is a young married man and a lowly clerk in a shipping yard. Although he once dreamed of a bright future, he's now one of many casualties in his country's harsh political reforms. So when China opens its doors to the first wave of foreigners in decades, Lu Fang's world is split wide open after he meets an American woman who makes him confront difficult questions about his current status in life and how much will ever be enough. So it's got it's got this like family drama, this social, you know, standpoints, and it just looks like it just looks like I'm going to learn a lot from this book, which, like I've always said, is something that I absolutely love about historical fictions is when I learn something I did not know. So I don't often read about Chinese, Asian literature. I know I do read a lot of Indian literature, which is also Asian. I don't don't read a lot about China and Shanghai, nothing like that. So I'm really excited to learn about Shanghai and Qingdao and hopefully how things are in 2007 and 1985. That was River East, River West by Abby Ray Lisker. What did you pick up this week? This week at the library, upon browsing their new shelf, I picked up Goodbye Earl by Lisa Cross Smith. And this one was actually recommended to me by another one of my friends. She's not on Bookstagram. She just texted me and she's like, I read this really awesome book and I think you should read it. So I saw it. I scooped it up and it sounds really interesting. So this is described as a revenge novel. And this is about four women who take fate into their own hands in this big hearted story of friendship, resilience, and revenge on monstrous men. So in 2004, we have Rosemary, Ada, Caroline, and Casey, and they're in their final days of high school and on the precipice of all things teenagers look forward to when anything in life seems possible. From falling in love to finding their dream jobs to becoming who they were meant to be. And then you have in 2019, Casey, who has returned to her small southern hometown of Goldie for the first time since high school. And she has not told her closest friends the truth of what really happened that summer after graduation or what made her leave so abruptly without looking back. So she's now back in Goldie and reunited with her friends for a wedding, and she's determined to focus on the simple joy of being together again. But she notices troubling signs that one of them might be in danger. So she's catapulted back to that fateful summer. But now Casey refuses to let the worst moments of her past define her. And this time she knows how to protect those she loves at all costs. This book is supposed to be an uplifting, sharp-edged, unapologetic funeral for all the earls out there, the abusive men who think they can get away with anything but are wrong. And it's also a celebration of enduring sisterhood. So it sounds... That sounds so good. Sounds so good, and I'm so excited to read it. But it only has a three and a half star rating on Goodreads. But, you know, sometimes the public is wrong. Their opinion is just wrong. They're always wrong. Yeah, right. (laughs) They're always wrong. We're the only ones that are right. You should only listen to us. I'm kidding. But this one sounds good. That's Goodbye Earl by Lisa Cross Smith. Awesome. That sounds really good. I'm excited to get to that. So... Um, I'm definitely adding that to my shelf too. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go ahead and get to our subscriptions. So the first one we're going to get to is book of the month. As always, this is the most popular subscription to people. It's uh, celebrated their 100th anniversary last year. They've been around forever. And I can't lie, they always do at least bring one really good book (laughs) that I've, you know, I'm looking forward to. True, true. This month I actually added all of them but one to my shelf. And it's funny because I didn't add the one that Rachel got. 
The first book we have is The Fury by Alex Michaelides. Now, Alex Michaelides had wrote two previous books that I've loved, one of them a little more than others, The Silent Patient and The Maidens. So when I saw he had The Fury out, I was so excited and had to get it. So this is a thriller about a glamorous trip to Greece that takes a bloody turn. These tags are psychological, unreliable narrator, buzzy, and glamorous. I have that one sitting on my shelf that I won from a Bookstagram giveaway. And I'm very excited to get to it. I don't know when I'm going to get to it, but hopefully it's soon. Up next from Book of the Month, I believe Ariel also has this on her shelf. It's Mercury by Amy Jo Burns. This is literary fiction, so right up Ariel's alley. And this one is Brimming with Family Drama and Small Town Secrets, a touching ode to a struggling but resilient blue-collar America. It's tagged as having multiple points of view, a slow build, family drama, and rural. That does sound like a very aerial book. It's literally sitting, it's like sitting on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> so the next book is the book that Rachel picked that I did not pick. And that's Interesting Facts About Space by Emily Austin. Now this is contemporary fiction. It follows one quirky, true crime obsessed woman on a delightful, heartwarming journey of vulnerability and self-discovery and her fear of bald men. So we have tags. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just can't. <laughs> not. <laughs> I can't. The tags are LGBTQ themes, quirky, LOL, and millennial. That's that's the reason why I did not pick this book because of the LOL and the quirky. Literally, I'm like drawn to quirky books. There's just something. Oh, I have. About I have a list them. for you then. Oh, I have a list for you. You like, better give it to me. <laughs> like the something about seeing the word quirky next to a book just makes me be like, I need to read that. I got it. I haven't read it yet. It's on my shelf to read. I'm hoping to get to it by the end of the month because one of our challenges is to get to our book of the month and aardvark picks and whatnot. So I'm hoping I can cross this off of the challenges. But up next, we have First Lie Wins by Ashley Elston. And this is another thriller. Who is Evie Porter? Definitely not who she says she is, but her past is catching up with her, which spells trouble. It's tagged as a fast read, psychological, unreliable narrator, and cat and mouse. I was eyeing this one, but I ultimately decided to pick interesting facts about space over this one. The next book, it looked I was very hesitant with getting this one, but I had read a few reviews from fellow people that I follow that loved this book. So I'm like, let's give it a try. It's called The Bullet Swallower by Elizabeth Gonzalez James. This is a literary fiction. Hold on to your hat, cowboy. The bullets whiz freely and magic hides within this epic family border saga. So the tags are experimental, love, magical, mm, graphic violence, no comment, nonlinear timeline, love. So, you know, I've got I've got a lot of trusted sources that really like this book and they said it's experimental, not like shark heart experimental, but it's like, you know, almost, okay, you know what I mean? Okay. So it's got that like something about the writing is different. So I'm excited to try that. You know, sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. Shark Heart was amazing, but I do know another book that was tagged experimental writing that I did not like that much. And it looks like those were the five book of the month picks for January. So they all sound pretty decent in my opinion. I do find it interesting that they had two thrillers this month, though. I feel like book of the month usually tries to diversify their genres a lot more they had two literary fictions too which is surprising to me they had no romance books this month shocker 
these book subscription boxes, they don't always have a huge range of genres to pick from, which is kind of why sometimes I end up skipping. But Aardvark this month, they had a little bit of everything. And it was kind of hard for me to choose between a couple of them because I did want to try to branch out with Aardvark and try something that I wouldn't normally pick up, which I feel like I did. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But the first Aardvark pick for January was Where You End by Abbott Collar. And this is actually Abbott Collar's spellbinding fiction debut. They are normally a nonfiction writer. And this is an unusual form of amnesia that upends the lives of identical twins, forcing them to face the indelible, dangerous shadow of the past. This is an early release, a debut, thriller and horror. The next book is Sugar Baby by Celine St. Clair. This is on my shelf as well. This is an unflinching portrayal of high-paid sex worker in the age of the internet and a compelling journey of self-discovery that offers sharp commentary on race, beauty, and class. These tags are early release, debut, lit fic, and contemporary fiction. Y'all have to let me know how that one is because this is one of the ones that I went back and forth with. It's funny because this cover and then it reminds me of another cover that our Burke did, um, Big Swiss, where it's just oh, like such an yeah. ugly, weird cover, but it's just I'm so interested in reading the book. <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. The next Aardvark pick is the one that I actually got in my box this month. It is The Gin Waits 100 Years by Shubnam Khan. And this is a dark and heady dream of a book, according to author Alex E. Harrow. And it is about a ruined mansion by the sea, the gin that haunts it, and a curious girl who unearths the tragedy that happened there a hundred years previous. And this is an early release, gothic fiction, historical fiction, and fantasy. I read this one and I gave it four stars. I thought it was really good, although I will say I thought it was more magical realism than anything. I don't think the fantasy tag is exactly accurate because it's like, even though the author kind of did give like the house itself its own personality, it still embodies more magical realism than anything because it also just focuses more on the characters themselves and the characters have no like magical abilities the only magic kind of stuff about it i would say is the gin and the house so it's it's an interesting blend of genres and i did thoroughly enjoy it do you think i would like it i think you would like it but i don't think you would love it okay okay i'm definitely i put it on my shelf the next book, though, is on my shelf, and you've read it. I know that you said I need to bump it up. Funny, because I've actually seen a lot of reviews from people I I, I trust that say they didn't like it. I like it. The reason why is hilarious to me. So anyways, it's a twisty debut exploring the dark side of true crime fandom and the blurry lines of female friendship. It's an early release, debut, mystery. It includes a dog, and it's literary fiction. And this book's title is Rabbit Hole by Kate Brody. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Rabbit Hole by Kate Brody. <laughs> I did see a lot of people commenting and saying that on this one that it was too internet-y. I don't know how to explain that, but they're like... Mm, I mean, it does center around Reddit, but that's supposed to be the whole the whole thing of the story. Like, it's supposed to kind of be like a... Not like an expose, but it's supposed to be like a critique of the internet and 
getting sucked into Reddit. So that's why I thought it was really interesting because I definitely, for me at least, I don't know about other people who have read it, but for me, like I could tell what the author was trying to do with this book. Like I understood what she was trying to say. So I feel like if you don't really understand what the author's message is, then you're not really going to enjoy the book. I loved it. That's all I'm going to say. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, no, it, it sounds it sounds very interesting and I'm willing to try it. The next aardvark pick sounds a little out there for my tastes, but it is The Fake Mate by Lana Ferguson. This is about two wolf shifters who agree to be fake mates, but unexpectedly find something real in this steamy paranormal romantic comedy. First off, what? Wolf shifters? You're telling me this is a romance (laughs) about shape shifters? Like, okay, interesting. Go try it. It sounds kind of like werewolves. I don't know if I will ever try it. The cover just does not. I'm sorry. I just can't get over the fact that the cover just does not make me think it would be about two paranormal shapes. Right. Exactly. Like when I saw that cover, I was like, oh, what's this? And then I read the description and I was like, um, hard pass. <laughs> Someone said, OK, wait, hold on. I just have to do a quick thing. One of my friends had wrote a review and it says, oh says, okay, hello, 911. Yes, my emergency is that I almost passed out a dozen times reading this. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. Whoa, this is so funny. says, do not make the mistake thinking this is just some spicy book with no plot. This book has both. I love the plot. Oh, oh, (laughs) goodness. So this is like, is it supposed to be like a werewolf smut? Like, is that what it is? No, shut up. It says, so fake mating. It's very scent based and uh very this is literally what her review says it's very uh scent based and uh very biologically ingrained in alpha when he's around an omega especially when said alpha doesn't know said omega is even an omega until down the road our poor alpha dog is so confused when he stops taking his alpha suppressants and suddenly he's reacting so possessively around Mackenzie. what oh wait hold on hold on it says i did not know the nuances of literary wolf shifters particularly that alphas have a certain anatomical anomaly that can only happen with an omega why does this make me think of the covid thing with the huge member Stop. oh my god and I, when Mackenzie goes into heat and noah has to take care of her okay i can't i can't literally oh so my god. fake mating becomes fake mating with benefits at this point the book just caught on fire <laughs> shut up oh my god this one though i kept seeing on bookstagram even before aardvark announced it as one of their picks because so many people were like oh my god i'm so excited for this one and i was like that seems a little odd but okay (laughs) if you look at the cover it it's funny because there's actual foot wolf prints on the bottom interesting why do so many people like this book i don't know but now maybe i do have to read it just to see oh my god like all my friends are like I devoured this book. Maybe we should read it. This is funny. It says, I am dying because nothing about this cover prepares you for the fact that it's a wolf shifter romance. <laughs> At most, I see one of them maybe working in a vet clinic. Wild. Okay, literally, <laughs> that's what I got from the cover too. I like would not think that. Okay, do we have to read this? Yeah, we have to read this. We have to read it now. We need to read it. Yeah. Let's put a hold on this book at our library because I know it's going to take a while. Oh, yeah. Whenever it comes in, we will read it together. Holy moly, it's 400 pages? That seems like a lot for a romance. <laughs> that seems excessive. Oh, my God. We have to do this, though. Okay. I bet you like 100 pages of those 400 pages is just smut. Yeah, but see, the I've read like scrolling through. I've read a few reviews now, and a lot of them say there isn't that much smut. There are very smutty scenes. 
but yeah oh, interesting okay fine i'll put a hold on it at the library all right fine <laughs> me too i guess <laughs> we need to read it Whenever- together though so that's the fake mate by Lana Ferguson. We're going to try this. We'll come back to you in hopefully like four or five episodes and let you know how it is. Anyway, so <laughs> hard pass on that one, but not really because we're reading it. So the next book from Aardvark, it was the 2023 member's choice, which was Chain Gang All-Stars by Nana Kwame Adijay Brenya. This is about two top women gladiators fight for their freedom within a deprivated private prison system not so far removed from America's own. This is a debut, LGBTQ, litfic, and sci-fi. I have very polarizing reviews from my friends on this book. I did have it on my shelf at one point. I took it off because of a few reviews I had seen, but then I put it back. And then I saw your friend Rosalie. I think she really liked it. I think she either really liked it or it was just like meh for her. And usually with certain books, I don't always agree with her. So, you know, I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? So... It was the Member's Choice Award, so it might be worth it. It was, I believe, a Read with Jenna pick or GMA pick. It was one of those. So it's gotten around. I want to try it, but I'm in no rush to try it. Yeah, it just, the sci-fi tag throws me because I have tried sci-fi. I feel like I've given sci-fi a fair shot last year, and I ended up DNFing like every sci-fi book I picked up. So I'm pretty sure sci-fi just isn't for me. And I'm hesitant to pick up anything that's even remotely described as being sci-fi. So now we have Prime First Reads. Now, January, we got to pick two books. And of the 10 books there were, I picked nine of them. And (laughs) (laughs) this month, they were killing it. They looked so good. So we have a mystery We have a thriller, historical fiction, domestic thriller, horror, women's fiction, book club fiction, family drama, contemporary fiction, and dark romance. So you kind of got a huge, huge variety here. Yes. So the first one is a mystery. It's called Almost Surely Dead by Amina Akhtar. This is part thriller, part ghost story, part dive into South Asian folklore and superstition. This book explores what would happen if no one believed you're being haunted, not even you. This one is for those who love the stalker roots of you and the humorous tone of the flight attendant mixed with the commentary of Get Out. This is told in multiple timelines. It's a genre-defying thriller, and I am excited about this. This is one of the ten or one of the nine of the ten that I got. That's almost surely dead by Amina Akhtar. I love the cover of that one. I love the color scheme. It's purples and pinks, which I'm drawn to purples, as we all know. (laughs) But that one does look really good. I personally didn't get any of them yet because I'm not an Amazon Prime member, so I would have to pay $2 for each of these books. I got the two. Mm -hmm. I got two of the ones that I didn't. So it's funny because I got nine of them, right? Well, seven of them I was able to put on hold at my library and two of them weren't. So I just got those two. That's amazing. I think with Amazon first reads, though, since um, I think most of them end up on Kindle Unlimited after they're actually released. That's true. So usually if there's some that I'm really looking forward to, I'll kind of write them down or add them to my TBR and then check if they're on Kindle Unlimited at a later date since I don't really I mean, two dollars is two dollars. But hey, a penny saved is a penny earned. Okay. Our next one is the thriller option. And this is The Bad Weather Friend by Dean Koontz. This is a funny, touching, and poignant novel disguised as a buddy novel 
about being a nice person with good intentions. And it is also an unexpected journey that combines the wit of The Princess Bride with the gothic and wry cross-genre appeal of Netflix's Wednesday. So this one seems like it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, this one looked really good too. I do. I have read Dean Koontz's books in the past and they've been always been really good. Oh, that's good. The next book is a historical fiction. It's The County Line by Steve Weddle. So this is from a fascinating period in American history when laws could be broken as long as they were broken outside your own county line. So we have this novel about... It's in, told in 1933, where if you decided to stick up a bank, you could hightail it right over the county line and hole up in an outlaw <laughs> camp. So, you know, you and your small gang of miscreants could drink bootleg whiskey, play cards, and then plan your next bit. So this is something that happened a lot then. This is in the world where Cottonmouth Tomlin, the protagonist of this tale, grew up and where he returns when his uncle kicks the bucket and leaves him the camp. But times are changing. Criminals are getting bolder. Why would you just rob the bank when you could kidnap the bank's manager and son and get ransom delivered right to you, you know? So as the crimes become more vicious, the county's tolerance wears thin. And two sisters who run the moonshine racket start to get a little territorial. So this looks really good. It's it, it, this really is true. I looked, you know, I have done some research in this in the past. And it, it was something that back in, I believe it was the 20s and 30s. You could literally go do a crime and then go go over the county line and, you know. That's crazy. Yeah. So this book looks interesting. And this is one of the ones that I got this month because, unfortunately, it was not at my library. That was The County Line by Steve Weddle. That one sounds really good, too. Up next, we have the domestic thriller option, which is Last Night by Luann Rice. At the center of this dazzlingly compelling thriller is the murder of artist Maddie Morrison. Found just outside of the famed Ocean House, a five-star hotel perched on the bluffs of Watch Hill, Rhode Island, during a brutal blizzard. With the only witness, the young daughter of the victim, missing, and evidence hidden beneath several feet of snow, the authorities are left scrambling for answers. Now, everybody carries secrets, but Maddie Morrison may have had more than most. And enemies can multiply with secrets this dangerous. This sounds really compelling. Like, I, I mean... It mentions a blizzard, so I don't know if Ariel would enjoy it. She has some sort of vendetta against snow. I do, but I'm trying to get better. So this, I did end up checking this one out. The next book is a horror pick. It is called We Ate the Dark by Mallory Pearson. What if one summer something so terrible happened that you'd rather forget? For one group of women, when their friend disappears, they spent years trying to do just that until the day her body is found. This is horror, so I'm sure it's going to get really dark. But that was We Ate the Dark by Mallory Pearson. The cover of We Ate the Dark is very unsettling to me, so I don't know if I would ever pick that up. It like truly looks frightening. Up next, we have women's fiction, and this is called Meluna by Kelly McNeil. And this one is supposed to be great for fans of Daisy Jones and the Six, La La Land, and The Notebook. This one follows Evie and Carter from their first electric meeting in the 1990s as young career hopefuls, him of musical stardom and her of journalist excellence, to find the present day when Evie's now grown children find a box of memorabilia hinting at their mother's previous life. And this novel alternates between the early explosive embers of first love and the joys of motherhood and stability and everything in between. But what really happened all those years ago? 
who inspired the album that skyrocketed Carter Wills and his band Meluna to fame, and why had nobody heard the story until now? That very much gives off Daisy Jones and the Six Vibes. Very much. And I'm looking forward to this one. I'm also looking forward to the next one, which is our book club fiction called This Impossible Brightness by Jessica Bryant Klagman. Have you ever just wanted to get away when the going gets tough? Yes. Leave all of your problems behind and start somewhere fresh? I certainly have. And that's what happens in this novel. So after the tragic disappearance of her fiance, Alma chooses to leave behind her grief and along with her beloved dog, Jupiter, set sail for a remote island that has been almost entirely evacuated due to rising sea levels. But aside from her aunt and cousins who choose to remain, nobody there will know what happened or look at her with pity. So she embarks to this town. Once she arrives, though, she realizes that while you can try to run from your past, it's not that easily done. In this magical seaside town of Violet, other forces are determined to help Alma find her way back to a place of community and living. In this new town that's as quirky as it is mysterious, she finds herself caught in an inexplicable incident that will show her time and time again that the only way to move past one's pain is to go through it. And then on the other side is hope. So this sounds like it's got like some hard scenes, but also it sounds like it's got a really good ending. And that's This Impossible Brightness by Jessica Bryant Klagman. Up next, we have the family drama option, which is The Young of Other Animals by Chris Kander. And this one is the story of a mother and her college-age daughter who are grieving the passing of the father. Things are tense, but when the daughter is assaulted and nearly kidnapped one night, both women become determined to find out who is after their family. And in the process, they uncover explosive secrets about the father. That sounds like it could be really good. The next book we have is The Real Deal by Caitlin Devlin. This is a contemporary fiction. Love this cover. It is about Belle. And when Belle was 12, she was on a reality TV show about six girls as they set out to become world-renowned actresses, singers, and dancers under the expert tutelage of shining star Donna Mayfair. Donna had the power to make Belle famous, and Belle trusted Donna completely. Now that she's 26, Belle's returning for a TV special reunion of The Real Deal, but one thing is for sure, Belle will not talk about what happened in that final episode no matter what people speculate, no matter what they say, because when it comes to reality TV, there are three sides to the story, Bella's, Donna's, and the camera's. The only question, who's telling the truth? This one looks good too. That does sound really good. I actually thought about buying this one and I might still because I still have time to buy it this month. We'll see. We'll see if I end up purchasing it by the end of this episode. (laughs) And our final first reads pick is the dark romance option, which first off, I'm kind of shocked that they have a dark romance option because I feel like it's such a niche genre, but also dark romance has been trending on book talk lately. So also not surprised with that aspect. But anyways, the dark romance option this month is Hurt For Me by Heather Levy. So this one is described as being a no-holds-barred romantic thriller in which a woman becomes embroiled in a missing persons case that quickly devolves into murder. And it gets grislier from there. You'll be thrust into a world of grunge and grime, but also of leather and lace. It is told in dual timelines, and it feels like the best of the early 90s erotic thriller films, but with a distinctly feminist bent. I will not be reading this one, but if you are into dark romance, it might be one to try. Yeah, this is the one that I didn't pick as well. 
as always, we've got you some really good books to add to your TBR, hopefully. Yes. I mean, so many of them sound good this month. I thought there were a lot of good sounding book of the month picks, aardvark picks. First Reads knocked it out of the park with their picks this month. They really did. So I'm hoping that's kind of like a a foray into what the rest of the year for First Reads is going to be like because man r.i.p to my bank account if i that part (laughs) (laughs) if all of these books end up looking so good anyways so happy sunday let's get i know it's wednesday for you guys thursday whatever whatever day you're listening to this (laughs) whatever day you listen (laughs) but it's sunday for us i'm gonna go we actually for once recorded in the morning well it's not morning for you but in the morning time and we ha- are able to go get some stuff done. So I'm going to get my nails done today. Ooh, just clean the house, get everything ready for moving, and then relax and read. That sounds like an amazing Sunday. I will be over here sifting through some wedding planning stuff because I just, I finally need to work on that. My brain has just been avoiding it. So today might be a Pinterest looking at things kind of day. Do it. Send me anything. Send me everything. Oh, absolutely. But I also want to get some reading in. So, but the day is young. We will see you all next week for our next episode, which is going to be overhyped versus underhyped books. And I'm super excited and very passionate to talk about some of these. We're also going to do a little bit of a deep dive into the 2023 Goodreads winners and why we disagree or agree with them. Yes. The popularity contest. (laughs) Yes, that. So we're excited to see you all next week. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope you spend some time reading. And as always, Rachel, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.